Hello and welcome to the Get Football Tactics podcast. I'm your host Neil Shelat and I'm delighted to say that once again I have been joined by Alex Barker aka the Euro expert. How are you Alex? Oh, I'll tell you what, I'm doing a lot better than Varane's FPL team. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well I mean I don't know what you guys are talking about because I have wisely decided to completely instead of my usual strategy of preparing a team and then being bothered about it for 2 weeks and then giving up i have decided to give up from the very start so maybe varun you can explain what's going on there yeah um i remember this post by maram around a year ago and she goes like watch me use analysis and xg and still fail at fpl yeah that's, so, yeah, that's what i'm me. that's what i'm doing <laughs> uh, okay fair enough Welcome but to the it's country. nice to nice to be back with both of you and discuss football Yeah, this time we won't be entertaining any chat whatsoever about Manchester United. Yes. But I think you might still be able to sneak some stuff in. But this time we are off to Germany to talk about the Bundesliga. Now, at the time of recording, this is kicking off uh 3 days from now and we'll go out it'll just be a couple of days. So basically the upcoming weekend, the new season, the 2023-24 Bundesliga season will kick off and we are excited about it, I think. Uh, for once because it doesn't look like Bayern will be able to absolutely walk the league of course they didn't do it last season uh, we'll talk about that briefly uh and this season as well th- there are certainly some strong sides uh who might be able to challenge them we'll see how it goes so that's basically going to be uh, our main focus today we'll uh, pick out uh, the four teams who we think will be challenging for the top four spots we'll discuss each of them in a fair amount of detail we'll talk about their previous seasons transfers and what to expect this season and so ultimately we'll just predict the top 4 uh, and h- how we think they'll go so uh, let's get started with bayern the defending champions um let's let's yeah i think let's start with uh, a quick review of their 2022 23 season how, how did you see that go varun oh it was a roller coaster ride i mean for one it was super entertaining and i think the season started with nagelsmann in uh, complete control and the thing that happened in between the season was just uh, pretty crazy to be quite honest um from from my point of view i thought bayern were doing well under nagelsmann i mean there were so many reports of uh, them not doing well and there were for sure a few results that didn't go the way they wanted but i really thought nagelsmann was getting his team uh, the way he wanted i mean the season kicked off with lewandowski leaving and he had gotten into fights with senior players like thomas muller and manuel neuer manuel neuer mainly because of the goalkeeping coach issue so there were lot of undercurrent stuff but on the pitch i think they were fine and it is a little hard to um transform into a team that can do what nagelsmann wants his very different very unique 316 shape when he is attacking uh it required bayern players to think in different ways and i think they were getting there and by the time he was sacked i thought i actually think that's a, that's a really bad sacking because there's no performance angle to it um on on expected metrics bayern were topping the league and they had a match with dortmund which would have anyway taken them to the top of the league they had the easiest run in in the league they were doing very well in the champions league 
and they were just in running for all the trophies. You don't sack a manager who's in running for all the trophies. But then there were, there were a lot of politics behind the sacking. I mean, there were a lot of rumors of um, the board and the players not liking the way Nagelsmann dresses, not liking his relationship with the journalist. Um, then the there was the word. Huh? <laughs> The skateboard, uh, the, the skateboard. I mean, this. <laughs> oh, he I looks mean, so yeah, good on the skateboard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so there were so many things. There were so many rumors, and it was so much beyond football. And that was one thing. And apparently, there was a rumor that the players wanted a father figure. I mean, then why would you hire Nagelsmann? You know, he's younger than some of your senior players. You know, he's younger than Neuer. He's not not a father figure. He is a, a great tactician. So. I think there was a lot of um, misalignment in terms of what the board and players wanted, especially the board. I actually think there were a lot of players who were in support of Nagelsmann. I think Kimmich and a lot of the younger players really like Nagelsmann's methods. It's some of the older players. Neuer was one uh, unhappy person because of the goalkeeping coach uh, firing issue. Thomas Muller was dropped in mid-season, so he was also unhappy. So I think there was a lot of player power involved there and that's when Nagelsmann had to go. And I think from... Bayern's angle, they really wanted Tuchel the last time he was available, when Chelsea um, hired Tuchel. So, this Bayern board was a big fan of Tuchel and I think that was a major reason when they saw Tuchel was available again mid-season. They just dropped everything and went for that. So, that brings us to a very awkward point where they are investing a lot mentally, financially in Tuchel. They're giving him all the players that he wants. We know the rumours that have been going on around this summer. And they're investing heavily in him. And so far, it's it's not been as positive. It's been mixed. So, yeah, it, it's, it, it was a fun 2022-23 season. Yeah, I think, you know, you touched on it pretty well there. The sacking of Nagas won. I think most of us saw that as a puzzling decision. But ultimately, it made the league fun. So, I don't think we're complaining. We almost had someone else winning. Um, but yeah, you mentioned uh, Tuchel and this summer... And I think there's people saying, possibly rightly so, that he has the most um, sort of influence over transfer strategy of any Bayern manager, certainly uh, in this century, because after they won the title uh, last season, just about, you know, with late drama against Köln, I I think uh, it was to- it was revealed on the pitch uh, to uh, CEO Oliver Khan and sporting director uh, Hassan uh, Salimidzic that they were sacked. So they were celebrating the title and then told they were fired. So that must have been quite a rollercoaster day for them. Uh, but so basically with those two really powerful figures who'd been there for so long uh, gone, you know, Tuchel got into basically this power vacuum where he was, you know, the de facto um, leader sort of uh, of the squad and of the transfer strategy. So as you say, they have you know backed him a, a great deal. They have got him whoever he wants basically, um, and so I guess there is pressure on him to deliver. Uh, and so it it should be really interesting how this season goes because uh, you know as you spoke, Nagelsmann was sacked when they weren't actually so bad, right? They were just a few points off top, as you say very much in the running for all the trophies. And definitely one of the factors did seem to be uh, the fact that um, that, uh, Tuchel was available because, as you said, uh, he was on the... Rather, they were trying to uh, sign him before, but he went to Chelsea. So now, 
knowing by and knowing the sort of expectations they have and knowing the sort of of faith or backing they've given to hell uh, there will be high expectations certainly for this season and it's safe to say it's not gotten off to a good start uh, even before we t- talk about any matches uh, they have a, a pretty glaring issue really uh, in terms of their goalkeeper situation uh, which is the manuel noir injury issue uh, a little bit of background on this is uh, that last season he had a skiing accident uh, which i think he sustained a fracture in his uh, certainly one of his legs uh, ruled him out for the rest of the season and reportedly right now he isn't able to kick a ball as well as he used to before so obviously that's a big concern because you know now you need your goalkeeper to kick the ball i think noir is uh he he should shoulder a big portion of the responsibility for that expectation uh so alex w- what do you make of the situation and where do you see them going because it's i mean a bit of a crisis at this you know point in the window yeah absolutely it's a crisis they've got no one in to replace him and they've got complete unknown names i've not even known of like uh, behind him so it's the thing that makes it really bad um, for Bayern is that Neuer has been so crucial to them for over the past decade and like the way they've been able to play. They're a confident team. They're able to push their line higher than anybody else. They're able to take risks in the league that nobody else can. And that's because they know Manuel Neuer will always mop things up right behind them. So the fact that he's not going to be able, not going to, be able to start the season, this is a gigantic hole. Like, as someone growing up in the 2010s, I can't divide Bayern Munich from Manuel Noyes, my favourite goalkeeper going, growing up. And even age 37, before the injury, he was still, you know, very important to the team. And they really need to sort this out. There's been links today to Ortega from Manchester City. That's a step down. Even Sommer last season, who was good, is still a big step down in just what they bring in terms of leadership as well. So... That is absolutely a glaring hole that sporting director Thomas Tuchel really needs to sort out. <laughs> that's that's right, and I suppose the worst part of it all is that they sold somewhere in this window. They sold him to Inter for about what seven million euros was it? Uh, so yeah, now their backup choice is Sven Ulreich, who has been a backup for a long time. Uh, but I mean, as you say, certainly a step down, at least one, probably more, uh, from Neuer, and of course. Uh, Alexander Nubel, who's been touted as Neuer's successor for what, the last half a decade, uh, has been loaned off again. I think he's off to Stuttgart this time. But I think that also brings us to the point uh, of their transfer business in this window, which hasn't necessarily been perfectly on point. Um, they, as, as we said, they have given Tuchel basically what he wants. Obviously, the big headline is Harry Kane. But even with Kane's signing... I think you can see some signs that you know things aren't going like perfectly there. It was the Kane saga was a long one, obviously lengthened by Tottenham and Daniel Levy and all his negotiation tactics and everything. But even after it first emerged that the clubs had agreed a fee, there were then reports that Kane was still sort of deliberating whether he actually wanted to accept the move or not, which is crazy when you know Bayern are spending like a hundred million. Euros on him, they still don't know if the player actually wants to come to them. And indeed, there have been a couple of other players who they have put in bids for, and 
effectively being rejected by the player. I think Declan Rice was one of them, which to me was puzzling anyway because it always seemed he was going to Arsenal. Uh, then we also had Kyle Walker uh, of Manchester City, where it sort of emerged that yeah, everything was in place for it to happen. He wasn't going to sign an extension at City. Bayern were prepared to offer him a contract, blah, blah, blah. And now ultimately he's staying uh, and you know, they're not getting that, that target either. They have, of course, got uh, Kim Min Jae from Napoli for 50 million, which is a decent of business. He's a very, very good player. You have to pay for them. So fair enough. Uh, and obviously, they have done their annual tradition of getting good players from their rivals uh, by signing Konrad Leimer on a free from Airbnb Leipzig uh, at the end of his contract and Rafael Guerrero from Borussia Dortmund at the end of his contract. So it's, I think on the whole, it's like on paper, when you just look at their arrivals and departures, it's an all right window. Obviously, in terms of departures, I guess we should mention Sadio Mane to El Nasser. Hasn't really worked out for him at Bayern, so understandable. Uh, and Lucas Hernandez to PSG, uh, replaced by Kim Minjie, really. And Marcel Sabitzer to Dortmund, but obviously he was loaned out uh, at the second half of last season as well. So uh, you can see that. But uh, like uh, on paper, it looks like an all right window, not exactly too bad. But when, when you consider, you know, all the targets they failed to sign, all the drama they had, and obviously now the goalkeeping situation where they have basically sold or loaned out their second and third choice. And now their first choice apparently can't play. And they have, what, two weeks to sort this out. So that's that's going to be an interesting one to follow. But obviously, this season has started as well. And we have uh, had one match already played uh, in terms of competitive action, uh, which was the Super Cup uh, in Germany. It was Bayern, obviously, participating as Bundesliga champions against Pokal holders uh, RB Leipzig. And it didn't go well for them. They lost 3-0. Uh, but more so than the result, you know, Obviously, with these Super Cups and Community Shields and whatever, you know, some may argue they're glorified friendlies, but at least what we can take from them is how a team is setting up and how they're trying to play. So let's maybe briefly discuss that lastly. Um, Varun, what did you see uh, in this Super Cup uh, in, in terms of what Bayern are trying to do? So yeah, actually, the tactics have been very interesting since Tuchel has uh, come on. Uh, Bayern have been playing... Largely speaking, a 4-2-3-1. It's actually been very straightforward and very different from what Tuchel has done at Chelsea, where he was usually preferring the back uh, back three or back five, uh, as you want to call it. And I think one interesting thing is that Pavard, I mean, there's there's been a lot of talk about him and there's a huge link to Manchester United. And he wants to play centre-back a lot. And under Nagelsmann, I thought his usage was amazing. He was playing as that right-sided wide centre-back in the 3-1-6 and that really suits him a lot. He's like half a full-back, half a centre-back. You know, you wouldn't trust him at the centre of your defence and he's neither the overlapping full-back. But in a wide centre-back role, he looks good. But then he's been wanting to play centre-back and I think the tail end of last season, he even got appearances at centre-back. And Tuchel and the Bayern board were not really happy with that. And that's why Kim Menje comes in. And now you have a centre-back set of Upamecano, Mathis Delight and Kim Menje. And they are going to hold all the centre-back minutes. And they've asked Benjamin Power to either play right-back or, you know, risk not getting chances at centre-back. And that's led to the whole blowout. 
where Power wants to leave and go to a club that will play him at centre-back. So that has resulted in Bayern wanting a, then a proper right-back, which is where the Walker-powered swap came in. And that couldn't happen. Walker's called off. He's staying with City. So Bayern are stuck again with that. I don't know how that ends. In the Super Cup, Power played at right back and he was okay. He was not good. Um, he, he's just not a back four right back. He's he's not the guy who has that explosive carrying. He is not the guy that has the kind of progression you would want from a carrying standpoint. He's a really good passer though. And how Tuchel is utilizing him is trying to stick to the back three when Davies bombs forward. But it's still it's still not perfect. And it gets even less perfect when you go into midfield. And I think this is where Bayern genuinely have problems. And we saw it uh, in the games at the end of last season and even in the Super Cup. They played a pivot of uh, Conrad Leimer and Joshua Kimmich. And there are a lot of rumours that Bayern need a number six or they need a proper defensive midfielder. And you can see why. Both of Leimer and Kimmich aren't really pure defensive midfielders. Kimmich can manage because Kimmich is great. But... He's, he is not great there um, uh, compared to a little ahead. You know, he, he's he's better as a playmaker, as a number eight, if you will. And in the Super Cup, Limer was very deep. He was the one between the centre-backs. And that's also not his best position. So, it's almost like Bayern are crying out for a number six. And they, they were found out a lot in those central transitions in the middle of the park. And the pivot couldn't handle them. Um, in attack, Mathistel led the line and I think Harry Kane comes in for him um, and that will be a big boost and I think Harry Kane's a good fit to the attack because he'll largely be playing ahead of your likes of Leroy Sané, Gnabry, Musiala, um, Kingsley Coman and they actually genuinely need a final ball player and I've always said Harry Kane's really good at dropping and playing that final ball in addition to getting goals. So, I think there's a good fitment there. I think midfield is where they will be found out. Um, and that is where they're weak this year. And then the goalkeeping situation is a whole another thing. That also dictates how they play, how they build up. And the right-back situation also is a little awkward with Benjamin Bauer staying back when he really doesn't want to and doesn't want to play right-back. They do have Mazrai. So, I think they might manage. But there's just a lot of question marks for a team that should be walking away with the Bundesliga. Right, then I think that's enough about Bayern. Uh, let's let's get into some of their contenders because as you say, they should in theory be a team that walks away with the league, but it doesn't look like they will be. So let's take a look at who might challenge them. Let's start with the team that did challenge them last season until the very end, but as is tradition, didn't uh, do the job ultimately. That's of course... Borussia Dortmund. Um, let's let's talk about their transfer business uh, this summer. What have you made of it, Varun, in terms of departures uh, and signings? I think it's been a really big window for Borussia Dortmund. Um, I mean, when when you're Dortmund, when you're when you're a club like Dortmund, you just know almost every summer there's a chance one of your young players is going for you know close to 80, 100, whatever the going rates are these days, hundred million pounds. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we can see bigger fees in the coming summers. But that's how Dortmund operate. You know, they are buying a lot of young players, giving them a chance. And then 
was always going to be that big sale. It was Erling Haaland last summer and this summer it's been Jude Bellingham. And they relied a lot on Jude Bellingham. So it's a huge, huge, massive transfer, 100 million plus. And I also think they will miss Rafael Guerrero. You mentioned Guerrero going to Bayern. And Guerrero is actually good for them in the previous season. And not just at left back, he also featured a lot in midfield. So he's he's he's, he's been good for them. And then Dahoud goes to Brighton. Um, that is also an important departure because there's uh, a body in midfield going out. I, I'll get there uh, in a bit. And there was there was a lot of talk about incomings. I mean, someone who can do what Bellingham does, or at least two players who can do what Bellingham does. And there were some big names linked. Uh, I think the uh, T4 football guys even mentioned Lovro Maher from State of Man. But in the end, uh, the ones who came in were Namecha and Sabitzer. And to be very honest, I do think it's a little underwhelming. Um, I think that midfield isn't uh, doesn't have a great look. Um, for for the left back slot, they've got in Benzemiani. That's that's fine. I mean, that's still um, not a bad signing at all. So the in the end, they've spent about forty eight million um, from the hundred plus million they got from Bellingham. So I I still they are still linked to a few players. Bella Kotsap is the latest one. He was linked today, Southampton centre back, and that also makes sense. They need some depth at centre back. So I think Dortmund have some figuring out to do. And it's it's been a huge window. Uh, a lot of their team has changed, especially in the deeper areas in defense and midfield. Right then, I mean, obviously they haven't played any uh, competitive fixtures yet. But I suppose let's talk about how we think they might shape up uh, this season. Of course, you alluded to uh, the midfield and the whole question of uh, replacing Jude Bellingham. So how how do you see them managing that? And as well as, of course, you know how how their attack and, and defense look. So, they largely play a 4-3-3 under Terzic. Uh, I mean, it's one of those modern interpretations which also becomes a 4-2-3-1 depending on who drops and who goes. But yeah, it's it's a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1. And I think in defence, um, Nicolas Sule or Hummels play on the right and Schlotterbeck plays on the left. I think Schlotterbeck's a very good player, very good uh, catch. And it, it's that right side and even the left side, they need a bit more depth. These are the only three centre-backs and I think that's where Bella Kocak comes in. He's German, he's on the younger side. So, I think that's a smart addition. Um, so, centre-backs should be fine. It's left-back where there are some question marks. Benzabani should be starting and Nico Schultz is behind, behind him and both of them are on the older side. So, probably a young energetic left-back would have been better. I'm not sure if they're going to sign one. Uh, their right back is is pretty good, good looking. I mean, uh, Wolf played a lot last year and he was good. And Reason has been playing a lot towards the end of the season, and he's uh, rumored to start in many games this year. And I, and I think that's a good set for right back. It's midfield where we start coming up with the problems. Uh, Sally Oskan and Emre Can are the ones who will probably play the deeper role. Uh, then you have a host of names. You have Royce, Brandt, uh, Namecha, Sabitzer, who could play the eights in front of him. The combina- There are a lot of players there. There's like six players for three slots. So if you're counting attendance, uh, you have numbers there. But how do they fit? Who are the best players? Which is the best three? Uh, I think that that's a, that's a big question mark. I think Julian Brandt is 
uh, nailed on. He's pretty good and he, he's been pretty good for them. Um, Sabitzer also scored uh, in their last match. So I think probably he gets the nod for a while. And Emre Chan probably uh, plays at the number six. But there's no real good playmaker there. I mean, Brandt and Sabitzer are pretty attacking players. Uh, Sabitzer especially is not someone who's good at build-up. We've seen that at United, at Leipzig as well. He He's better off pressing ahead. So, I do think they have a bit of a playmaking gap there. Namecha is not, again, a really good playmaker. He's, again, uh, more attacking eight. So, I think midfield is where Dortmund also look weak. Uh, the positive thing is that attack looks mouth-watering. I mean, even after losing Erling Haaland, Sancho and Bellingham over the years, they have invested well. And some of the young players like Adiemi, Mukoko, Malin have started really growing and contributing a lot. And Sebastian Haller, I think, is going to have a big, big season. Um, he's looked good since his comeback from that big injury last year. He's looked good and, and I, I just like him as a player a lot. So, I think Haller is going to have a big season. And I think he has a lot of support attackers. They also have some very nice youngsters in Duranville, Gio Rena, uh, uh, Bino Gittins. So, the, the attack is stacked. The defense is okay. The midfield is what I'm worried about. Anyways, enough about Dortmund. Um, they always struggle, flattered to deceive, but never really get there. But another club which has been making some really good moves in the transfer market, which I think might do a better job in competing with Bayern, is RB Leipzig. Um, I've actually been very impressed with their business, and they're going from growing from strength to strength every year. So. Alex, what do you think about Leipzig? What is Marco Rose cooking there? Well, uh, thank you for the intro, Varun. I mean, there's two things here. Listeners, if you couldn't tell, uh, well, you wouldn't be able to tell last week after we finished our Premier League podcast, uh, Neil said we'll do the Bundesliga one. And I said, I bugsy, I'll be Leipzig. And Neil very quickly went, I bugsy, the next team. And Verona has introduced me there like a man who very much wanted to cover RB Leipzig. Uh, but we'll, <laughs> we will hide the transfers for now. Guys, since Marco Rosa took over on September 8th, 2022, where do you think Leipzig finished in the Bundesliga table? Bear in mind, they finished third in the end. So from as if the table began September 8th, where do you think Leipzig finished? First. Yeah, I mean, I guess since you're asking it, it's probably first. It is but, indeed. Yeah, fair enough. First by one point. But like, again, I have set it up there to guess that. Uh, it, it, so it takes the shine away a little bit. But this, that's only a little bit through the season. After 20, From 29 games, Leipzig were the best team in the Bundesliga. It's incredibly impressive to see what Marco Rosa did. Since taking over from um, a man who I was impressed by, but I can't even remember his name. That's how little he battered. Uh, uh, Domenico Tedesco? It was Tedesco, wasn't it? I was thinking of yeah. someone else there. Yeah, um, hold yeah. on, just, just a second. Uh, did he say that uh, September 8th was after that, that we had 29 games in the season? Is that right? Yes. 29 so basically, games. Leipzig lost the title because of their first five games. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, that's quite something. It's, it's really it. impressive, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, impress- it's impressive because of the football they've been playing as well. They've been reverted to the, the typical Red Bull style, the 4-4-2 or 4-2 system. Uh, that's what made them really good last year. They had a strong defensive record by expected goals against uh, for at least most of the season. And they were scoring goals as well. Um, where Nkunku was injured a little bit, so they played with Werner and Andre Silva at times up front. 
but they had this really nice rotating midfield of Zaboza and Danny Olmo in there. And, and they also um, Emil Forsberg. And, of course, they had a rock-hard defence of uh, Vardio, Simokan as well, Willy Orban still in there. It's a really good team. And in all phases of play, my favourite memory of them was uh, them beating Manchester City. Uh, or almost beating Manchester City, sorry, in the Champions League. I'm saying beat because in the second half of their first leg, played them off the park, a really clever um, out-of-possession-based uh, system um, that causes you a bunch of trouble. But of course, they've lost so many players this summer, right? What's the point of talking about? They've lost Sabozlai, who is a huge miss, uh, I'd say, for set pieces and his magic. So Bozlai was able to score from miles out at any point in any point in the game, and it could just turn any time. Um, say if Leipzig was trying to break down a deep block, so Bozlai is there. Um, they've also lost the aforementioned Vardio. And that's a big problem because his recovery pace was huge. Mid Leipzig could play a high line, and also re- he also really helped in the press, charging out of the uh, back two to mop up any balls just before an opposition really broke into their half. And of course, they've lost Christopher Nkunku to Chelsea, who's a very versatile forward. So I don't know about you guys, but is some issues there in the players they've lost? Yeah, I think they they have lost a lot of people. And to be very honest, when the rumors started, um, when the rumors started of Christopher Nkoku going to Chelsea, his transfer was prearranged. Then Guardiola going to City, and in my head I was like, okay, this is another bright young team that's going to be picked apart, and it'll go back to mid table. I really did not expect uh, how they how they're going to replace them. I, I had no idea. But I think they have d- done some good signings. I mean, let's talk about them one by one. The first being uh, Lois Openda. Uh, what do you think about him, Alex? I mean, I'm obviously a really huge fan. Uh, Lois Openda of Lons. He was one of the league's top scorers last season. He's going to be interesting up front, I think, with um, Timo Werner and another player, Benjamin Sesko, brought in from RB Salzburg. It was a move agreed a year ago, I believe. Now, Sesko is going to be, I think, the silver replacement. He's the the taller striker, still very quick as well, but a bit more well-rounded. It was interesting when Leipzig played uh, Bayern um, in the Super Cup. They played Werner and Appender up front. Now, these two players, in my opinion, are very similar, um, if it helps the listener understand. Uh, both rapid players. Uh, I'd say they're both, well, we're thinking pre-Chelsea Werner here, both good finishers. Uh, particularly Appendo, a very good one, like first touch finisher. Uh, but where I, I say the distinction is that Appendo is a bit better of a dribbler. I think he could take someone on one v one. I think Werner struggles with that. So it's interesting how Rose is going to work out those two players up front. And there's been a couple other moves in there to quickly mention. Uh, Sievald from RB Salzburg, central midfielder. He had a mixed game, I thought, at the weekend. Lost possession a couple of times in midfield in worrying scenarios, but he's only 22. I think he looks pretty strong. They've brought in Christoph Baumgartner. Um, I think he was over 10 million euros from Hoffenheim, I want to say. Interesting signing as well. Uh, Caden Clark's come in from the US. Other little signings, but two I really want to focus on. Um, well, three, actually. Uh, no, two, indeed, because one of them has not been confirmed, Lukeba. Uh, he looks like he'll arrive, but not confirmed yet. Uh, but Chavi Simons, he's the other attacking signing that's, well, on loan, that's really interesting. 
Um, I've seen some people who are at the the game at the weekend, Seb Safaflor of Tifo, saying that Simonti thought was unbelievable watching him live. Like such a very, such an agile footballer. Obviously, he killed it in the Eredivisie for PSV last season. He could play on the left, he could play on the right, he could play up front. Uh, although up front, he probably do largely a similar role that uh, Openda and Werner would do. He's going to be magical, and we all saw the clip of uh, his switch at the weekend. That outside of the boot volley it was excellent. Um, the, the final player I want to touch on is, uh, well, there, as I said, Lekeba coming in. I think he's not been confirmed. He might have come in now. They were going between him and Getroida. Lekeba and El Shadou Bichiabu, because I think these two players, they're more works in progress. These are the guys to replace um, Vardio and both young French centre-backs, both left-footed. Uh, Lekeba from Lyon, Bichiabu from uh, PSG. And 18 and 20, respectively, I think their potential is sky high. Lekeba, in particular, is a very good passer, and he's good at uh, launching out of the back. Bichiaba is more used to a back three, but when we get down to prediction time, I think, noticeably, these two, far less ready-made replacements for a guy, for a whole uh, Josko Vardiol leaves. Uh, so we'll see how Leipzig do. But we've got one more team to talk about, of course. Uh, it's a team I would have been tempted to cover. Uh, it's one, as I said, Neil was very quick to grasp. Neil, what have you got on Bayer Leverkusen for the next season and for the previous season? Let's hear it. Yeah, they have been a very exciting team. Uh, if memory serves me right, uh, it was indeed at the start of last season when people were talking about them, certainly in the context of the top four race, maybe even... Slightly challenging Bayern to some extent for the title. Now, mind you, that was when uh, Gerardo Seoane was still in charge. Uh, and it's safe to say that didn't go well. He had a very good season before that, mind you. So, I suppose it was justified. But they got off to their worst start in Bundesliga history. Uh, and eventually, despite his previous achievements, uh, yeah, Seoane had to go. So, I think in October, he was sacked or parted with mutual consent or whatever. Uh, and his replacement was Xabi Alonso. And of course, that attracted the interest of everyone around Europe, basically. But you know, in hindsight, I do think this was a, a gamble to a certain extent because um, as a manager, obviously Alonso had a great playing career. We all know about that, except Alex, apparently. Uh, but as a manager, uh, Alonso wasn't really proven at the time. He had, I think, a year in Real Madrid's youth setup. A couple of years with the Real Sociedad's B team in the Segunda División and uh, in the Tercera División. But, I mean, obviously, he was a young manager learning his, his way in the game, so you can't judge too much from it. But it's safe to say that, I would certainly say that without the playing career and the reputation he had, I don't think he'd even have been on Leverkusen's shortlist. But they did go and hire him in the end. And it's proven a good decision, I think. They've played some certainly some fun football. Uh, and they've got the results uh, as well. So last season, they played in a 3-4-2-1 formation on paper. Obviously, when you're attacking, you, you throw your wing-backs forward as well. So it's more of a 3-2-5 almost. Uh, and especially, the, the real sort of area of interest was their right flank, where they had Musa Diaby, very, very exciting winger, who's no longer there, sadly. He's off to... I mean, he's at Newcastle already, 
Jeremy Fingpong, uh, right wing back, again very very exciting player, and still there, which is great. Uh, and then in the back line they had a number of options, uh, including uh, Orion Kusunu, if I'm saying that right, uh, and he is still there as well. And obviously he didn't have so much of an attacking threat, uh, but he did sort of chip in with you know really uh, aggressive progressive carries rotations with these guys uh, so all in all that uh, Bayer Leverkusen right flank was really I, I, in terms of wings I'd say possibly the most interesting of course we also had Edmond Tabsoba rotating in and again I mean there's loads of links uh, with top clubs for him so uh, all in all really that was the main area of interest in that side uh, and they ultimately finished outside of the top four but based on their underlying numbers, uh, the expected goal difference, they w- were projected to finish fourth. So you could say that after Bayern, uh, Leipzig and Dortmund, they were the best of the rest in the Bundesliga. And uh, Xabi Alonso has been rewarded for his work with an extension already. Uh, and so th- they already looked in a good place going into the season. But I think they look even better after we discuss their uh, signings. Yes, I'm interested to hear about their signings actually because again they lost Musa Diaby, uh, huge thing as you say, and he's one of my favourite players. But they've brought in a couple of players. Obviously, I'm really interested to to watch. One of them I know killed it in pre-season. I want to say against West Ham. I might be misremembering the team, but I'm sure you know the player I'm talking about. I mean, I'm guessing it must have been Victor Boniface. It was indeed Victor Boniface. I mean, uh, he's such such a good player. I, I can't speak highly enough about him. He was at Union Saint-Gervais uh, last season in Belgium, who are a lovely, lovely team, by the way. Perhaps deserving of an episode somewhere in the future. But he um, was basically their main striker uh, last season in the Belgian Pro League. Led them to a, a nearly title judge, uh, Finished, I think, third in the end, if I'm not wrong, but just a couple of points off and very much in it, even winning it at a point on the final day. And he he has just been brilliant. I mean, his, his career progression has been absolutely rapid. Uh, he joined Bodo Glimt, of course, the Norwegian uh, uh, champions in, I think, 2019. Uh, you know, uh, he came from Nigeria, mind you, so it took a season or two to settle, but really, really sort of broke through in the latter half of, I'd say, 2021, early 22. Snapped up by Union in the summer of 22. One season there, snapped up by Leverkusen. And, I mean, you you, you look at the sort of the profit they made in a season, they signed him for 6 million and sold him for 20 million. So, it's, it's a great move for Union uh, and a great signing still at just 20 million for Leverkusen because he, I think, will be a, a complete game-changing addition to their front line, you know, Patrick Schick last season didn't have the best of times after his work in the past, especially around the time of the Euros. But Boniface adds all that goal threat, the aerial ability and uh, finishing up front, as well as ability to link up uh, and get involved in the possession play, which, as we discussed, they do like to do quite a bit. But more importantly, I think, arguably, from a tactical point of view, maybe the most important signing of their window was uh, Alejandro Grimaldo from Benfica on a free. The reason I say that 
is that I talked about obviously their right wing last season and how it was so good, and obviously that is partly down to all the good players there, but also I think down to the fact that their left wing wasn't very good, and in my opinion the main issue there was the fact that it didn't actually have a proper left wing back. The guy who played there on most occasions was Mitchell Bakker, who ha- I think uh, has since been sold to Atalanta, but he he's more of a fullback really. He's definitely not an attacking wing back who can keep getting forward like Frimpong did on the other flank. So he's definitely more suited to a back four, I would say. So replacing him with Grimaldo completely changes the complexion of that left flank and in my opinion should make them strong on both sides and therefore add to their attacking threat. And of course, they lost DRB. Now they sold him on for 55 million euros. And if you add up all the transfer fees uh, of their arrivals, which include Boniface, uh, Grimaldo obviously on a free, but Granit Xhaka as well, really experienced midfielder, definitely going to be a very good addition uh, in the center of the park. And they do need those sort of deeper holding midfielders because they play with such attacking wing backs and, you know, basically five up front. Uh, Jonas Hoffman is a shrewd signing, I think, for just ten million pounds. Uh, effectively, a Musa Diaby replacement, I would imagine. Uh, but of course, a different profile of player, but still should keep that right flank very active. Uh, and a couple of uh, young players that they've brought in: uh, Mate Kovar from Manchester United, a young goalkeeper, pretty highly rated by United fans, definitely. So one to watch, uh, as well as Arthur from uh, America Mineiro in Brazil. So. A couple of good signings there. But all in all, all of that has basically been funded by the Musa Diaby uh, fee. So I think that's very good business from Leverkusen. And despite a big loss in Diaby, I think their window makes it all the more exciting for the upcoming season. How exciting. Let's hear your guys' predictions and start with you, Mr. Neil. How how old do you think Leverkusen will do? Because I am... As much as I'm excited by them, I think it's natural for a manager in his first job to have a bit of a dip in his second season. So let's let's hear it. Yeah, I think I expect them to finish at least fourth. I, I, I definitely expect them to be in the fight for the Champions League. And I do expect them to get there because you look at, I suppose, their main rivals who we aren't discussing really today, but SF Freiburg, Union Berlin... Maybe Hoffenheim, depending on how they do. But last couple of seasons, they haven't been that good. Uh, but these teams haven't really strengthened to this degree. Maybe even slightly weakened, you might argue. But definitely not improved their squad like Leverkusen have, in my opinion. So I think they're good for fourth. Uh, and definitely, I think Florian Wirtz is going to have quite a season for himself. Uh, it's a real shame that he missed a big part of last season, especially with Alonso's arrival and everything because of his ACL injury. But he's most definitely back now, back in you know full flow with the preseason behind him and everything. And I mean, I think everyone knows about this guy's talent. He's been rated so highly, already has over 100 caps uh, for Leverkusen. Uh, and I think now he can really establish himself as one of their star players on the left side of that attack, again, with uh, reinforcement from Grimaldo and everyone around him. And I think it should be interesting to see how they do play, whether they stick to this 
3-4-2-1 pace formation or perhaps switch to a back four out of possession but obviously maintain the 3-2-5 in possession so tactically they might be interesting i but as i said i do think they will finish uh fourth maybe in another season they might have been able to nick top three but having discussed uh what we said about leipzig certainly uh you know dortmund still look fairly strong so i don't think they'll be able to challenge them but i'd give them fourth definitely what do you what do you guys think um let's have your uh i guess Warren, let's have your top four prediction um i mean your pitch for leverkusen was nice but i'm going to keep them at fourth <laughs> um i actually like dortmund and leipzig a lot this season i think leipzig have the least issues they look the most complete i am putting leipzig for first i am putting dortmund at second and i'm putting bayern at third uh i know it's very ballsy and i just don't get the vibes from okay. they they have way too many issues i am not liking to chills bayern as much as Nagelsmann or any any previous Bayern manager. I'm not happy with the transfer policy either. Um, I think this is this finally this is the season where Bayern really slip, and I think they'll come third. And Leipzig Dortmund are going to give us a title challenge. Leverkusen are going to come a cool fourth. Um, do you know what's Do you know what's crazy? I actually what? agree. Ah, uh, uh, nice. Uh, I'm I, I'm with you. I'm not I'm not so sure about Dortmund second, but. Um, as someone who's read a, a really good book called, I think it was called FC Hollywood. Um, it was about Bayern Munich and their chaotic era in the nineties. I'm getting a lot of vibes about that now. I'm worried about the Kane transfer in the sense that Tuchel with Lukaku. I know it's apples and oranges. Kane's a much much uh, twice as bad Lukaku is, but I, I, I don't know the way Tuchel's failed so far of the system. His outburst at the weekend saying this is like we haven't trained for four weeks. Like he's gonna need to get Kane firing, and I'm I'm with you on Leipzig. I think I think I think they're the most well set up. I, I, I don't know what it is. I was thinking pre this that maybe not Vardio bit of a drop down to the Kaber, but if one of them steps up, the rest of the team's there. And also to quickly on a vibes perspective, you know. It'll check off everything. Harry Kane still being trophyless, check. Tuchel <laughs> having the best oh, season God. ever, not check. And three, a team more unlikable than Bayern, Energy Drinks FC winning the Bundesliga, check. Oh, so I'm with you. Uh, I mean, wow. this is this is uh, this is a nightmare for people who've been and a dream for a lot of people actually. A uh, nightmare for Bayern fans. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I guess Bundesliga fans will be, you know, conflicted as well, probably. I, yeah, I mean, if you press me for a prediction, I'd probably be with you guys uh, in terms of Leipzig, probably get Bayern, because as we discussed, yeah, Leipzig looking good, Bayern not looking good at all. My only concern with Leipzig, as Alex, you know, where, uh, explained very well, is their defence and how they can or cannot replace Guardiola. So I definitely do think we will have a title challenge there. I think it'll be between Leipzig and Bayern. I think Dortmund will be a few points off consistently. And as I said, Leverkusen fourth. But yeah, I mean, from a fan point of view, I think the one team in the entire world that Bundesliga fans would not want to win ahead of Bayern is RB Leipzig because of a whole separate story, a completely different story. But essentially, you know, the sort of the exception or the loophole they had in there fan ownership model and... I think you're oh. talking about that heartwarming come-up. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're, they're a rags to riches story, you know, from the fourth <laughs> division to the title in just 15 years. Exactly, uh, exactly. that's the They one. hit that in Germany, apparently. But yeah, I mean, in any case, in terms of a purely on-pitch point of view, I think it's definitely going to be a very, very exciting and competitive season in the Bundesliga. It's always exciting, I think. Not always competitive, and apparently some people don't seem to like that. But I think this season, everyone's got to be tuning in because it is definitely going to be close at the top. So it should be very, very exciting. Uh, and I think we, we covered most of the big teams uh, in a fair bit of depth there. So thank you very much, guys. Uh, thanks to you, Varun, and thanks to you, Alex, for your time and insights. And of course, a big thank you to you listeners uh, for tuning in. You can find all of us on Twitter. You can find Varun at the Devils DNA. Uh, just spelled out that way. You can find Alex at EuroExpert underscore, I believe. You can find me at Shailat Neel. Uh, and you can also, of course, find our Get Football account at Get Football EU. And then we have all our sort of sister accounts linked in the bio there. All of this will be down uh, in the notes of this uh, episode. Uh, of course, do keep a lookout on the Get Football account and all our other outlets where we'll be covering this 23-24 season, which is already underway uh, across Europe and the world with you know all the all the latest news uh, analysis videos opinions and everything you'll need to be plugged in uh, to the season across the world as i said and you can see a link to all of that in the notes as well so if you can do have a look there if you can please do rate the podcast and give us a five star review because that really helps us and also obviously sharing this on socials will really help us so thanks anyway thank you very much for listening thanks to you guys and we'll be back next week with something new Uh, Take care until then and goodbye.